We're so glad you've joined us. Right now, it's Barry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. You and I need to be reparented by God. You're thinking, what? Yep, we do. Fred Hartley is a lead pastor in Atlanta, Georgia, president and founder of the College of Prayer International. He's written a bunch of books, including Prayer on Fire, God on Fire, Leading People to an Encounter with the Presence of Jesus is His Life's Passion. And today he's with us from Atlanta to talk about his book, Just Say Father, An Invitation to Be, here it is, Reparented by God. So you have written this beautiful book, Just Say Father, An Invitation to Be Parented, Reparented by God. And in the introduction, you make the statement, you need to know that the only way you can genuinely know him is by an encounter. Can you tell us how you first encountered the Father? Yeah, boy, this is uh, touching. Uh, it touches a deep spot inside of me. When I was young, I was taken to church and dropped off, but I did not know God. And, and frankly, those within the church didn't know God as far as I could tell. I asked uh, my teachers, I want to know God. Can you teach me to know God? She says, well, you know about God. I said, well, I already know about God, but I want to know him personally. And then when I was 13, someone introduced me to Christ, and it was the most revolutionary moment of my life to date. It was Jesus that introduced me to the Father. So when I was 13, I was kind of stuck up on myself. I was a good athlete. I was doing well at school. I had girlfriends and all that. But there was an emptiness. There was a void inside. And nothing could fill it. And I was popular. But inside, I was empty. When I was introduced to Jesus Christ, he literally filled the vacuum inside of my heart. And I was instantly uh, filled with the love of the Father in a transformational way. My friends would say, oh, you're going to get over Jesus. I said, I guarantee you, this is different. Jesus is different. Because they they knew, okay, I was big into football, then I was big into baseball, big into track, and big into this girl, and Mm. then this other girl. And nothing could hold my attention. But Jesus Christ absolutely captivated my heart. I'll tell you another funny part of it is I graduated from high school without reading one single book of assigned reading. uh, And I actually graduated third in my class. So my parents had this rule. (laughs) My parents had this rule that I could stay up as late as I wanted as long as I was reading. But when I met Jesus at 13, I developed, no one had to tell me, but I developed a voracious appetite for the Bible. Mm. Nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, midnight, my mother would walk in and I said, Mom, I'm reading. And she, she had no, no recourse to, to get me <laughs> to turn the light off. And I've been a Bible reader and a student, not religiously, but because I truly love the author. Mm. Beautiful story. So where were you that moment when, you, when Jesus Christ introduced you to the Father, and the love of the Holy Spirit was poured into your heart. Where were you in that moment? I was in my bedroom by myself, but I was in church about three hours earlier, and the guy who was preaching stood up, who became my pastor. He said, oh, I have good news for you tonight. Some of you have wanted to know 
God, but you've only known about him. Tonight, I'm going to tell you how you can know him. Mm. And I said to myself, ka-ching, I am in the right spot. Tell me. So I was a sponge ready to receive the water, and I did. And that is Fred Hartley. His book is Just Say Father. What strikes me about Fred's story is, you know, when he was really young, he wanted to know God personally. And he was at a church where nobody knew God. And they couldn't explain it to him. And it's it's so easy to, even even in a Christian church, to just get religion and and not the knowledge of God, how to really know him. Mm-hmm. And I was talking with our our furnace <laughs> repairman yesterday. He came over and he was telling me about an experience where he would he would go up and, you know, have some fun on a recreational vehicle and he had a pickup and on Saturday and then on Sunday he would come to church and his recreational vehicle was still in his pickup. And somebody in the church took him aside and said, it's not appropriate for you to bring this recreational vehicle to church oh you know, and, and show it in the church parking lot. You know, that's, <laughs> that's just a great example of religion. Yeah. You know, you've got to put on the right face. You got to have it all put together. You mm-hmm. can't, of course you can't, you know, put it forward that Christians can have fun. Right. And, but you know, this is just religion and there's so much religion and, but if, if, and if you've been exposed to religion and been judged for stuff like that, I am just so sorry because it's so much more. I mean, it's, it's in a, a completely different category. Yeah. It's in a completely different universe than, than what my furnace fixing friend experienced. Yeah. And if that has been your experience, you know, I am a part of Christ church. So on behalf of the church, I, I do, I want to genuinely apologize that you encountered the church and you didn't encounter Jesus. And here's the thing. I just want to be so clear about this. God loves you and his original intent when he created Adam and Eve from the very beginning, his original intent was relationship. He so desires to have a relationship with you. And if all you've ever experienced is religion, Mm. Jesus wants to walk with you. The Mm -hmm. father wants to be in relationship with you and spend time with you. And that can start today. And if you you don't know how to start with that, you can reach out to us, Perry, or I would be happy to talk with you about that. Our number here is 800-968-8930. Fred, take us to six years ago, God said something to you that changed your life forever. Yeah, it was the deepest moment I've had in probably 20 years, uh, bar none. We've been mobilizing prayer around the world. We actually train about 30 million pastors and leaders a year through the College of Prayer. And we lead pastors to a fresh encounter with Christ. That's the heart of our ministry. So we spend a lot of time in prayer in the presence of God, in His tangible manifesting presence, where there's tears, there's repentance, there's brokenness. Uh, there's vulnerability, humility, and uh, cleansing, life cleansing. The Lord said to me, Fred, I don't ever want you to take for granted leading people into my presence. Don't ever take the fact that I choose to use you to lead others into my presence. Don't ever take that for granted. And it was humbling, and it like cut to my heart. And I said, Lord, I don't ever want to do that. But but how how can I avoid it? Show me. 
And, and he said something that I'd never heard before until that moment. It landed in my soul. He said, Fred, let me reparent you. I said, what? He says, I want to reparent you. I said, well, I'm 60 years old. He says, I want to reparent you. And that began a journey of really discovering depths of God's love for me and for the nations that I never imagined. And it has absolutely uh, changed my whole orientation and added a whole new depth to my own life and experience. Can you share a story that describes what it means to be reparented by the Father? I always thought, even as a believer, I still had roots of pride in my heart and life. Pride over success, pride over bearing fruit, over growth, over uh, different things. I had always had kind of a snooty view towards Abba, the word Abba. I always thought it was childish. I thought it was beneath me. And when God poured his love into my heart and said, I want to reparent you, something drained my pride and broke that arrogance off of me to where it was really coming in touch with who I am at my core. I am a child of God. That's the heart of who I am. I'm not first a pastor. I'm not first an author. I don't lead a missionary movement around the world. Uh, I'm a son of the Father. That reduced me to the bare essential of my identity. Each day, I really sit with the Father and allow Him to love me, bless me, uh, speak truth into my life, and define who I am and redefine. And my calling has increased. My fruitfulness has increased. My freedom has increased. My personal health has grown remarkably because God broke off this false view of what it was for me to be successful or fulfilled or meaningful. My meaning in life is now defined by my relationship with Father. You know, I know that I myself have moved from finding my identity in what I do to being loved by Abba. And that's what I hear in your story. It has everything to do with identity. Our generations become big on labels. We've got ethnic labels, black, white, Latino, Asian, religious labels, uh, Muslim, Christian, Jew. You've got uh, issues labels, addict, uh, codependent, OCD. You've got sexual labels, straight, LGBTQ, music labels, pop, rap, heavy metal, jazz, country, career labels. That's really what we often use. I'm a salesperson. I'm in the medical field, a lawyer, a techie. But God doesn't give labels. He gives identity. That's who we are. It's the way God made us. And he made us to know him. And here I've been a follower of Christ all these years, but was really using labels. I'm a pastor. I'm an author. And almost hiding behind that in my daily walk with him until God revealed himself at the core of my being and said, Fred, I want to reparent you. You mentioned earlier in our conversation, Fred, that there 
wasn't always intimacy in your relationship with God, that you knew about him, but you didn't know him intimately. And someone's listening right now who knows about God, but doesn't have a relationship. They haven't had this experience that you're talking about. How can we start knowing God more intimately as father? Well, the fact is when Jesus was sent into our world, he came into an orphanage and we're all orphans. There are religious orphans, there's secular orphans. It has nothing to do with our religious orientation or how many times we've been to church. The fact is in our hearts, we all have felt abandoned. Studies have been done on this. In fact, it's one of the most interesting thing is just look at Disney films. Almost every Disney animated film deals with orphans from Pinocchio to Tarzan, Snow White, Cinderella, Rapunzel, Aladdin, Simba, uh, even Linguini of Ratatouille, Peter Pan. You've got Belle in uh, Beauty and the Beast, Bambi, Nemo, uh, Elsa and Anna. They're all orphans. And the fact is, underneath, we've all felt, we all deal with a, not maybe necessarily abandonment, but the whole idea of rejection. Mm-hmm. And we feel this deeply. Even though I've, you know, I've got a great life and so many ways, a wonderful wife, I've got four loving children and uh, a bunch of loving grandchildren. But deep down, there was a wound in me, a scar that's true to all of our humanity. And it is that orphan wound and the orphan spirit. This is where God reparents us. It's, it's at that core, and it's the healing of those orphan wounds. That's why Jesus came. And when he hung on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's the first time in the Gospels that we see Jesus pray without using the name Father. And it's because he, at that point, tasted the abandonment and the rejection that all the rest of us have. And it's at that point that he heals us because obviously Christ was raised from the dead. And when we receive the love of the resurrected Christ, that love then heals the wounds within and restores that orphan heart into the place of adoption. And for someone listening right now, that's the hope that you have, is that you have a God that understands your wounds and understands the feelings of rejection, loneliness, abandonment, and wants to welcome you home. Mm-hmm. You know, how I relate with this is that what I've come to understand is that everybody has a parent wound of some kind because there have never been any perfect parents. And so we don't love our kids perfectly the way the father loves us perfectly. And the only way to be healed from those parent wounds is what you're talking about, being loved by the father as we are, not as we should be. Yes, When this started hitting my soul, I was introduced to Fred and Julie Pepperman. They took their family for the 28th anniversary down to the west coast of Florida for a vacation. And the kids were wading out into the water and they had four daughters and they got caught in a riptide. Mm. Well, Fred did what any good parent would do and jumped in to save them and pushed one daughter to the edge and the other out of the riptide and then the other and and finally got to the last one and pushed her out. And at that moment, he was so exhausted. He went under. They Mm. they looked for him. Mm. 
And finally, a rescue unit came and dragged him out, but it was too late. He had given his life to save his daughters. And Julie stayed with the kids for a week. And a week after he died on that beach where they were married 28 years earlier, she said to the girls that day, your dad died doing what any good dad would do. He gave his life for you. And if he had woken up that morning and God had told him he was going to die, there's no way he would rather have died any other way than in saving your lives. That story so moved me to realize that that was Jesus, that he jumped in to save us from the riptide of our own undercurrents and pushed us out, but gave himself in the process. And that dad, Fred Peppermint, is an incredible illustration of our dad who sent Jesus to do the same thing for us. And that love is revolutionary. Fred, you mentioned that every single one of us deal with the fear of abandonment or rejection, and that because of that, we've got this orphan spirit. I want to talk more about that. Why is that a problem, and what's the solution? You know, the whole thing of orphans. In writing this book, I studied orphans, and in Romania in 1989, because of a tyrannical dictator, there ended up to be tens of thousands of Romanian orphans. Many Americans adopted many of these, but those that were kept in Romania all suffered from a, a severe syndrome that left them unable to function in society. They ended up hating each other. Really, hardly any of them lived to 12 years of age. Mm. But what was true in them is true in all of us to some extent. We need to be healed from the disorders of our orphan condition. And all that healing begins when God heals our love receptors. And I noticed in me deep wounds that only the love of the Father could heal. And that's where my healing began and where it really begins for for all people, when God pours his love into our hearts. When I hear you say the word love receptors, what I hear you say is there are places inside of us that reject the love that we so want. Perfect. That is, uh, that's precisely the issue. And all healing begins with the healing of those love receptors. We want it, we long for it, but it can be right in front of us. But until the Holy Spirit works inside of us to heal those love receptors, we will never experience it. That's why we need more than just a doctrinal understanding of the crucifixion. We need an encounter, a visceral encounter with the love of God. Mm. I hear you saying the only thing that's going to heal the broken love receptors is a supernatural experience with the love of the Father and the love of the Son through the Spirit. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And yeah. this is what Jesus invites all of us to come into. And when he says, when you pray, say, Father, the Father wants to reparent every one of us. That's the gospel. Father, you love us so well. Your love is so perfect and so good. And we push you away because we're so afraid. We've not been loved like that before. And so, Lord, for those who are listening right now that need to 
experience greater measures of your love for me, for Fred, for Perry, for each one listening. Father, would you bring the healing work of healing our love receptors that we could better receive this love that you offer us, your overwhelming love in this moment, even as we listen in our car, in our kitchen, where we are, would you break through and would you, would you just come with the powerful experience of who you are and change us in this moment, allow us to be able to receive your love. Show us right now in this moment how much you love us. Fred, thank you for this book. There is more to the Father than what we see at first glance. So what I've discovered is that Father is the shallow entry point, like on the beach of the ocean of God's presence. It's the, it's the shallow. Abba, Father. Abba is the easiest word to pronounce. It's a mm. two-syllable word. You open your mouth, ah, and you close your lips once. It's Abba. Mm. It's the simplest two-syllable word you can possibly say. And yet, while it's the entry point, the shallow ankle level uh, spot in the ocean where the waves wash up on the beach, it's also Father is the Mariana Trench. It's the deepest part of the ocean. In fact, growing up, I used to love snorkeling. Uh, we'd go to the Keys down in Florida. We'd go to the Caribbean, and I've snorkeled dozens of times. But there it's like 30, 40 feet. The average ocean depth is 12,000 feet. But in the Pacific, there's a trench that's like a scar on a face, on a cheek that cuts down 36,000 feet. Hmm. It's three times the normal ocean depth, and it's called the Mariana Trench. Mm -hmm. In fact, you can take Mount Everest, if it were possible, and put it in the Mariana Trench, and it would still be a mile underwater. Oh it's goodness. that deep. That's incredible. And the fact is, no one, not even a drone, has been to the bottom of the Mariana Trench. Huh. And that's Father. So when you come to know Christ, you're introduced to Daddy, Father. But the deepest you go as a Christian, you'll never exceed the depths of Father. And that's what humbles me and will, not just for time, but eternity, yeah. will humble me with gratitude that Father has invited me into that kind of a personal relationship. I'd love to hear this story. When your only daughter was four years old, you were out shopping <laughs> in a Christian bookstore with your bride. Tell us about that. <laughs> yeah, so we have four kids, one daughter and uh, Andrea. So they went to a Christian bookstore and our daughter like never saw a sticker she didn't like. <laughs> so Sherry was talking, my wife was talking to the store owner and uh, Andrea was being very quiet. Well, she walks back like 10 minutes later covered arms and legs with like 300 stickers but these were the price tags of cds and books and jewelry and other stuff and my wife just about fell over but it was so cute the store owner couldn't really get angry the point that it shows is a sticker or a label is not who she is she's not defined mm. by a price tag or by a label 
she's Andrea. She's our daughter. Mm -hmm. The world wants to put labels on us and define us by little things. But those little things will, even when they're accurate, even if we are Latino or black or white or whatever our ethnicity or our political orientation or whatever, our music choices, we use labels. But God gives identity. Mm. And the identity of our, our daughter and of each of our children, that's the highest calling I have is to help my children discover their identity in the Father. I don't have this fully fleshed out in my thinking, but, you know, in this in this culture where we're trying to find our identity in lots of different things, tons of different things, our ethnicity, our gender, our sex attraction, you know, you name it, the job that we do, you know, just Fred talking about how, you know, labels being put on us or, you know, labels we put on ourselves. The difference, what I'm thinking here is that like the difference between a label and an identity, mm-hmm. a label is more, you know, outside and an identity, a true identity is something at your very core, mm-hmm. you know, and it seems like the only true identity that we have is child of God. Everything mm-hmm. else is labels. Now I haven't, yeah, I haven't thought this through completely, but I think he's onto something. I, I see labels more as like the roles and sometimes those change. I mean, they don't always change, you know, like your ethnicity is not going to change, but, but you know, wife, mother, those are roles that change over time, but our identity, our identity doesn't change. Thanks for listening to Perry and Shauna Replay. To learn more, text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930.